is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. Hello, and welcome back to London is Blue. I am joined on this rather overcast day, emotionally, um, in a Chelsea perspective, not a other perspective from England, uh, by Abdullah Abdullah and Ollie Glanville. Abdullah, how are you doing? Tired, sad, upset, but not upset with the game yesterday, but overall. You know, there's better ways to start off the week. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Ollie, uh, it's great to have you on. I wish it was in happier circumstances. How are you? I'm okay. Just everything he said. <laughs> Pretty much. Let's end the podcast there. Fantastic. Um, um, <laughs> but <laughs> as we have kind of hinted at, um, as, as I'm sure most people know, we've been waiting all month for Chelsea women to put us out of some of our Chelsea-related misery. And instead, they just dumped a whole load extra on us, losing 2-1 to newly promoted Liverpool on the opening day of the season. Three penalties scored, not a whole lot going on from open play. A bit of a weird game, to be honest. One that I think at, at points felt very comfortable and then suddenly just disappeared. Like one of those games where you're like, I, I feel like I've blinked and, and suddenly we've lost. Um, definitely a frustrating one, but... Hey, hey, it's the first game of the season. We're going to unpack it, maybe try and bring some positivity. Uh, some of the things we're going to chat about, we're going to talk about this this slow starts to season thing because it is a thing at this point. It happens every year. To the point where when it happened, I was like, well, it does happen every year. Um, too much fluidity. Uh, some of the slightly odd decisions about who was playing where. And and we will touch on refereeing decisions because I think it's hard to talk about this game without kind of talking through some of the things that happened, whether they were fair or not, how they impacted the game, etc. But first, let's get some of your three word match reviews. Um at Radha Afgupta, penalty, penalty, penalty. I like that one. Uh, at Chelsea Youth, just Chelsea things. Yep, that feels about right right now. Uh, at Janique is unique, slow start FC. Uh, and at Ishan Shah, was onside. Um, I agree with all of those, to be honest. All all fair, fair um, summations of the game. I think, Ollie, I'll go to you first. What's, what's your three-word match review? Yeah, it's just we go again, you know? It, it just we're so used to this now <laughs> it's just like bring on the next game because we're gonna we're gonna react to this it's all gonna be fine <laughs> i like that positivity abdullah let's get one from you please uh mine was just more like what just happened question mark question mark um because actually what just happened in terms of the fact that not just from the results perspective but what was going on on the pitch and i think that for me just kind of summed up the overall not even the refereeing this is like everything was just like what just happened like did that just really just happen yeah i'm i'm gonna go with who is where because that was the main question that was in my head the whole game i watched the game back this morning still pretty hard to figure out who who was where so yeah that's uh that's something we'll talk about a, a bit more but yes match details this is of course the opening wsl fixture against liverpool played on sunday september the 18th 2022 at a prenton park that was looking a lot less muddy i must say than the last time we played there so so that was a positive uh the last time we were there if people remember is that one where there's the famous photo of erin cuthbert looking like she's just gone through a a mud bath uh, and that was a 1-1 draw i believe where 
Liverpool's Neve Charles scored uh, scored their equaliser that day. Um, but yes, Chelsea lost 2-1 to Liverpool, a Fran Kirby penalty in the third minute, uh, followed by two Katie Stengel penalties in the 67th and 87th minutes. Um, Abdullah, will you take us through the lineup, please? Yes, of course. So here was the first Chelsea lineup of the season. You had Zajira Musevic in goal. Uh, good first start for her here. Uh, you had a back three of well, the team started in what looked like a 3-4-1-2 system. You had Ericsson, Buchanan, and Bright as your back three. What this lineup seems to insinuate is that Fran Kirby was playing at left wing back, Sophie Ingle and Aaron Cuthbert as your double pivot, and Neve Charles as your right wing back, and then Gura Wrighton in the number 10 position with Lauren James and Sam Kerr up front. But then if you really go back and think what was going on the pitch, what... Um, <laughs> and the bench had uh, quite a strong bench, you know. I mean, it, we, we talk about it, we talked about it before, but when you look at it now, you Jess Carter, Bethany England, Svitkova, Perise, Mielda, Kanarid, Penny Lahada, Yelena Jankovic, and, and Katrin Berger with, you know, Kankovic, uh, Kanarid, Perise, and England coming on. So, you know, we that's kind of how we lined up. Yeah, um, a couple of, of team things. Uh, Jesse Fleming missed out on the bench because she was unwell early in the week. Anik Naon was apparently not fully fit. And obviously, Penelope Harder was meant to be starting, um, but pulled out in the warm-up. And that's when Sophie Ingle came into the team. Ollie, when when the initial team sheet came out, both when Penelope was in the team and then when we got the news that Ingle was replacing her, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was an interesting one. There was sort of, to be... <laughs> to be frank mixed reaction online to it everyone's <laughs> like oh my god so defensive uh, etc but I was thinking maybe it would free us up more up front and there was going to be so much rotation um, which is essentially what ended up happening it was kind of Ingle plus vibes going forward and um, <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was interesting Ingle plus watch. bad vibes I'm gonna bad say bad vibes <laughs> yeah <laughs> crucial descriptor there yeah. But yeah, um it would have been really interesting to see um because I think uh Lauren would have been Lauren James would have been in a in a midfield role um on, on the other side of the pitch and it would have been interesting to see some of the kind of changeovers that were, that were happening there if Panil had started. But um yeah, hopefully it's nothing bad and she's back for City next week. Yeah, fingers crossed it is just a precaution. Um, I never know with these things because I'm like, if it is a precaution, like, I guess maybe they are bearing the City game in mind. But um, yeah, I also think if it was something bigger, there's no way Emma Hayes would have said anyway. So I guess we'll just kind of have to to wait and see what happens. Um, but let's just run through some of the stats. Um, six Liverpool shots to Chelsea's 10, two on target for them. Uh, I assume that's both penalties. Uh, and four for us. 30% possession for Liverpool, 70% to us. 284 passes to Liverpool, 622 for us. Eight Liverpool fouls, seven Chelsea, two Liverpool yellow cards, none for us. One Liverpool offside, four Chelsea offsides. That will become crucial as we talk about this game. And zero corners for Liverpool, four for Chelsea. Um, Opta's XG gave Liverpool 2.08, Chelsea's 1.34. Non-penalty XG, again, maybe more important for this game. Liverpool had 0.51 and Chelsea 0.55. So, Abdullah, I think those stats kind of tell us quite a lot especially that non-penalty xg one uh about what was kind of going on in this match eg nothing (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. The fact that it was pretty much, it's almost like a 49-51 sort of split in terms of the NPXG is, is kind of telling of the game where both teams kind of had almost equal amount of chances, but those chances were barely like anything. There was like a couple of chances here and there. And, you know, for, for all the... It's very deceptive, this game, in terms of there was so much action while there was no real action going on in terms of, you know, in terms of goals. It was just, oh, penalty. Oh, another penalty. Oh, another penalty. And that was really the big moment of... I think, I mean, there was that um, Leanne Kernan offside off the post in, in the first half. But, you know, you had that and then you have Sam Kerr's offside goal. So, I mean, you take those two moments out of it. What else kind of happened in terms of actual on target on goal uh, action so yeah I, I guess the the xg f- the data f- for, for this for this game really does tell the story yeah uh a, a pretty disappointing um amount of creation there uh you know normally i think last season when we had frustrating games it would be that we created chances and we missed them and i think it's always more concerning when you're just not creating anything uh but then equally you know, sometimes it goes the other way for you. It just, it just didn't really do it for us today. Um, a couple of more fun stat facts for you. Um, the clever and handsome at Jesse JPH says, Today's result means that Chelsea have only won one of their last five season openers. That is miserable. Uh, at Michael Reed 11, Liverpool are the first newly promoted side to beat the reigning champions in the WSL since Sutherland beat Liverpool in March 2015. I will say with all of these stats, I think Liverpool are like the most outlier of a promoted team ever like I think they will finish more than comfortably mid-table but whatever um Liverpool versus Chelsea is the first ever WSL game C3 penalty scored that's also from Michael Reed, and one from went to Mo King's Meadow uh when Millie Bright was substituted off I love the stat she meant she missed more minutes in the 2022-23 season than in the entirety of the 21-22 season um I think that like I mean just to quickly touch on that, Ollie, I think that kind of also maybe showed how strange this game went later on. I didn't really understand that sub at all. Definitely. And and I think we'll get into it a bit, but it felt very like a like a sort of Conti Cup game or a or an FA Cup game where we sort of knew that we were in control but didn't have the goals to prove it. And then it sort of just became we're gonna try things and as the game came away from us with refereeing decisions or with, with penalties against us, it was kind of like grasping at a rope that was going, <laughs> that was kind of going away from us. Um, it was interesting to see the combinations that came on to try and change the game. I thought that was quite interesting. It seems like Canarid and, and Perise are, are going to be like joined at the hip in terms of coming off the bench or starting together because <laughs> they have been throughout pre-season and uh, coming off the bench yesterday. Um but yeah, it, it was just, a, as we went back to it, it's like, it was just felt bad vibes from the moment that Sam Kerr's goal got disallowed. And you just knew that that 2-0 was going to be such a perfect cushion for us to kick on from. Yeah, it's, it's a definitely, shame. definitely a very different game, I think, if we're 2-0 up within 20 minutes. But we're going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we will get into all of this in a, in a bit more detail. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. Please rate and subscribe if you're enjoying it. Give us a shout out on your review if you're enjoying our women's episodes. Uh, Obviously, it's a men's international break at the moment, but there's Chelsea Never Stops. There's lots of content still coming out. Uh, Sporting directors, uh, potable, etc, etc. Lots of good stuff there to listen to. Um, Okay, let's start with talking about this 
slow start to the season stuff. Um, it kind of feels ironic to, to go in on this because we didn't start this game slow at all. We scored a penalty in what was officially the third minute, but basically was like the first minute when Guru Wrighton was rather unceremoniously stamped on by Julie Flaherty. Uh, lovely to see you again, Julie. Uh, Ollie, were you like, great, this is cruise control, this is the perfect start? Because I was like, cool, this game's done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was, it, you know, there were some nice combinations down the left. You had Neve and, and Guru linking up quite well. It's a nice fluid start, like right from, from kickoff, like right from the word go. And uh, yeah, as soon as Jilly uh, <laughs> kicked Guru off in the air and saw the ball, I was like, this is great. This, this is brilliant. Um, but we just kind of, we just sat off and, and stopped with that like immediate intensity from the start. It's almost like, it's almost like we went into this thinking, we start season so slow. Oh, well, hold on a minute. We're winning now. Like, what's going on? <laughs> this isn't supposed to happen. And then just kind of reverted back to type. It was a very strange kind of uh, evolution in that first half, definitely. This isn't the Chelsea way. We're supposed to give everyone else a head start. Um, <laughs> for the majority of that first half, I've done I thought we looked good without being exceptional we didn't create a lot of chances but I think especially in the last 10 minutes I was like wow we're we're moving the ball around well um we've got good combinations like Ollie said I think especially on that left side Neve and, and Guru who I think both had quite mixed games but it started to feel like it was really really clicking right yeah you yeah, know I agree I think I think those would probably uh, alongside Frank Kirby as well I think those two were probably the liveliest players like you said, mixed half, but I think they were, they were pretty much the liveliest ones. I, I kind of enjoyed um, Guru Wright and playing that Panila Harda 10 role, kind of floating in and around in between the lines, you know, popping up as a striker, popping up as a left winger, and then Neve Charles really playing that left wing back uh, role quite well. Um, yeah, and I, I agree. I think I think we didn't create too many chances, but at the same time, I, di I did feel like as the half wore on, I, to me, it felt like it was in spurts, right? Like there was like a few, a few minutes of like, all right, we're moving the ball around at the beginning. Okay, then Liverpool are really pressing high, winning the ball back, counterattacking. And, you know, in, in those in those moments, I really felt, you know, a little bit scared because because Liverpool, in a couple of those counterattacks in the first half, they were really smooth and really slick. And it almost felt like they were penetrating through the defense, you know, without even trying. I mean, I, I referred to it just a little bit earlier that that Kiernan offside goal that that could have gone very badly if she had checked her run uh, a little bit better. But I did feel like as the half wore on, Chelsea started to really control the game a little bit more. You know, Lauren Jane started getting into the, into into a rhythm on the right hand side. You know, her dribbling through a couple of players was really good. And I think once the midfield and kind of you know, wide players kind of understood their own positioning and movements and rotations. I felt like that's when it got better because I think like we've said, and we're going to, we're going to go on to it in a little bit because we weren't sure everybody was on the pitch. I think a little bit felt like they weren't sure where they were supposed to be on the pitch. And so that kind of distorted their movements. And, and, and only once they get in, got into it, it's almost like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. All right. I know where you're going to be. I know where you're going to be. And then the ball was moving around a little bit better. And then obviously the half time whistle blew. Yeah, um, I definitely think with you make a good point there, Abdullah, with with Liverpool and and kind of their counterattacking because I've seen like Liverpool kind of described as sitting back and stuff, and and Emma Hayes kind of said that, but I feel like that's a bit un unfair. I think they were just very good at picking their moments. You know, when they were getting the ball forward, it was you know Kiernan, Katie Stengel, Missy Bokerns. They they were putting several players forward at, at once, and this kind of 
goes into something that concerned me when I watched the game back this morning, Ollie, which was how limited our press seemed to be at, at points. Now, you know, Opta gives our passes per defensive action as, as 10.1, which isn't loads. It's about mid-table from teams across the league this this season. Um, Liverpool's was like a lot lower, um, but I felt like they picked their moments. Um, but Arsenal's, for example, okay, they were playing 10-man. Brighton was five. But it just felt like we didn't seem super up for it. And it was like we were allowing Liverpool to reset, to be able to take the breather so that they were were able to continue to counter-attack, to continue to press. Do you think we were just a bit lethargic? Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to the whole kind of bad vibe, feeling like it was was off a bit. Um, you know, even even Aaron, who you associate with someone who's like never stopping, you know, counter-pressing at every single um, possible time she was being drawn out of position and that was essentially leaving um sophie by herself counter pressing and they were able to pass through midfield quite easily in terms of in transition um whether that goes back to the the whole fluidity debate that we'll probably come on to in terms of it almost felt like you know how chelsea women uh put out the team sheets uh in number order it's felt it felt like that's how they <laughs> They went out there, not in, in their own positions, just in number order. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the counter press, it was quite worrying because you associate players, especially like Neve and Aaron, with that kind of counter press harrying, uh, you know, Guru even. Um, but also potentially that's where we missed Pernil in in a in an attacking sense as well. Because as brilliant as as Fran is, she she can't always do the defensive side of the game as well as someone like Peniel because she doesn't have the physicality, right? The mm-hmm. same with Sam. She was kind of isolated up there by herself. So I think altogether it formed a kind of unease and it just allowed Liverpool to grow into the game because we weren't applying that same intensity after we went 1-0 up so early on. It's almost like it put us back on the back foot and we were kind of playing it out in an exhibition sense. And even though a lot of our um, our kind of flair players were trying things, they weren't really coming off. Um, we mentioned before that there weren't a lot of box entries from us, like really good high XG chances. But if you think back, um, there were balls from Fran or Guro or uh, Neve over the top to Sam, and they were literally like a half a second, a nanosecond off from being perfect passes where Sam could stroll onto them or Sam was taking a heavy touch or whatever. And these would just be really good chances and, and goal-scoring chances, potentially. So it was just slightly off at each, each stage. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of sliding doors moments, I felt, in this game. Um, all the way through, you know, all the way up to Beth England's chance, kind of right at the end. Frank Herbie um, puts the ball across for Sam right at the end. Uh, and in the first half as well, like like Ollie said, lots of things where I could really see what they were trying to do. And it was really good football, but it just didn't come off. And and maybe that is just a, a start of season season thing. Um, but Abdullah, looking back at these last five season openers, um, we have drawn 0-0 to Man City, beaten Spurs 1-0. But I will say that game was like truly one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. And Bethany England just scored a rocket. Drawn 1-1 with Manchester United, lost 3-2 to Arsenal and now lost 2-1 to Liverpool. Why does this keep happening? 
That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> one part of me wants to wants to say that Chelsea's just giving the rest of the league a chance to say, you know what, we're not that great. It's fine. We're not going to do well you know, this season. And then they just kind of kick into gear just to get everybody, you know, false sense of security for everybody else. But if we're being serious, um, honestly, I think it's just that early season, they just, they just have to get used to it. I mean, I think last couple of seasons, it's it's always been where they've, it's almost like every season key players come into the side. And I know we're, I, I know that this game, I mean, this game's particularly this lineup had pretty much every single one of the players that have been there for at least a season, except for, except for Kadisha Buchanan. Yet they lost 2-1. I, 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 I don't know. I think it could possibly be down to, and, and again, I'm just hypoth- I, just being hypothetical here. It almost feels like every season there's a new system or a new way of playing that's kind of creeping into the side. So last season was the first time we played 3-4-3. The season before that we were still playing in a 4-4-2. The season before that was a 4-2-3-1. You come into this season, it's it's a 3-4-1-2, but it's a lot of fluidity. So I always feel like the players are coming in while they've they've retained some of the information and some of the way that they've been playing in previous seasons, I feel like there is some information, key information that comes into a new season in the first game or two and then suddenly the players are like, okay, this maybe preseason wasn't enough and maybe we need to understand it a little bit better. I don't know, my, my mind keeps coming back to that because these players are good. These these players have played and have, play, have played together now for a season or so, if not more, and yet, you know, you'd think that there would be an improvement on it, but I feel like maybe it's a little bit too much information going in and some of the information is yet to kind of uh, sit in and, and for them to, to take in and get used to. Yeah, this this kind of leads us on quite nicely to the next thing that I want to talk to, which is which is about this fluidity. And I think what Abdullah is touching on there is something that um, I've been thinking about as well about how much is maybe tried to change each season. And I think it was in- interesting. Emma did an interview with the BBC that they showed during the the City game, um, where basically she said like part of the reason for success was like if it isn't broke, break it. And I watched Chelsea play and I thought, it wasn't broken and you broke it. Like, there was so much change. Um, There were so many players playing out of position. You know, Erin did this big interview where she said last season it was really hard that she'd done pre-season as a 10 and then played as a wing-back. Here she'd done pre-season as a 6 and then she's playing as an 8. Okay, maybe that's due to Penela, whatever that happens. But Lauren's done pre-season as, as a winger or an 8. Now suddenly she's a wing-back. Is this are these changes just doing Chelsea more harm than good, Ollie? Yes. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, you know, we know Emma is a, is a perfectionist and she always, she always wants to iterate. And part of what makes Chelsea women so hard to play against is that is that iterating because you cannot set up for last season's Chelsea women it's not relevant essentially it's it's barely relevant to set up for last month's Chelsea women because there's always a different system there's always a new kind of core group of players of, of two or three or four players who run that system and make it work right whether that's down to injuries you know Fran's been out Melly's been out um, you know, and Katrin Berger playing out from the back. We have we have this year in, in there now. It, it's like there's always that iteration. And what that means is we are very hard to play against. But until we get into gear, we're like, it's hard for us to knit together. And I think that speaks to the slow starts to the season. But what that means is when we do kick into gear, 
for that kind of month and a half period of just that that first iteration of the new system, we're impossible to play against because no one's figured it out yet. And that's kind of, I think the best, the best coaches, um, you know, across the sport of football, across any sport really, have that kind of constant desire to reach that perfect point. And that always means that it's the enemy of the present. You always have to look forward and kind of keep that change going. But what that means is, you know, we'll never know what, what the team would have looked like if Peniel had started, because apparently Lauren was going to be an eight, um, you know, Erin was going to potentially be deeper or alongside Lauren. Um, and then we would have had different wing backs and Peniel would have been up front, etc. And maybe it would have made perfect sense because, you know, in pre-season against teams like Leon, I thought we looked pretty dominant in, in, a, in a kind of similar-ish system to last season. So, what what I really liked personally was was Kadisha was becoming this like deep lying playmaker out from the back, as we know Millie can as well, and uh, Magda down the left hand side as well, and I think that gave us like a lot more options um, from the from central part of the pitch, right? But with kind of Ingo in front of her when she wasn't supposed to start, I wonder how that how that changed things in terms of playing in transition and who was covering who and whether that was kind of on the fly because spe- specifically for their second penalty, there was a lot of kind of communication issues between um, Kadisha and Magda and kind of whoever was in front of them at that point <laughs> because um, it just became a bit kind of chaotic. And I do wonder um, how much uh, P not being in the team affected them all, to be honest, especially Emma. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Ingle point as well is a really interesting one because one of the things that really, again, stood out to me when I rewatched it was, and this is something that Sophie Ingle does quite a lot and really irritates me, but she'll she'll stand, I mean, maybe she's told to do this, I don't know, but she'll stand quite far back and it's very easy for opposition players to cover her. And basically it makes it very obvious to the opposition or the opposition are able to cover her in a way that means that it's very easy for them to press whichever one of the wingbacks is going to get the ball, because it's only one of the wingbacks that's going to get the ball. And it's something that Neve I thought, really struggled with, kind of understandably. Lauren dealt with it a lot better because football stick to her boots like fucking glue. Um, And she's like one of the most press-resistant players I feel like I've ever watched. But that was tough, right, for them. And that that made our build-up harder because you saw Neve like kind of trying to flick things around corners, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which... It shouldn't. It shouldn't be that hard. We should have more options there, and I, I agree. I think it'd have been very different because Aaron would have obviously played as the holding midfielder, um, and I wonder if someone a bit more energetic, a bit more unpredictable, might have made things easier in, in the attacking sense there. Um, but going again a bit more deeper into this, um, something that made me laugh is before the game, and I guess. It's the same maybe data provider that Google has, but FopMob also had Frank Kirby as, as the left wing back. And I was laughing at that because I thought it was really funny. And then Frank Kirby was actually just picking up the ball at left wing back. And I was like, wow, joke's on me, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Abdullah, could you figure out what on earth was going on? What What do you think we were trying to do? I... I was I, I was confused. I watched the game back as well this evening when I got back from work, and I'm like, what? And and when I'm watching the game, I'm trying to see two things. 
I'm trying to see the in-possession system and then the out-of-possession system. But then at the same time, I'm trying to see where, what different patterns players are trying to pick it up in. But it's like every time I, okay, every time I thought I got to a conclusion, somebody else went to pick up the ball and like the, in a different position. And I went, Frank Kirby went from picking the ball up as a number 10 to a number eight to a left wing back. And, and but, but I'm, where are you supposed to be playing? You, you know, and, and it almost felt like it wasn't even consistent where, oh, you're always picking up the ball up left wing back. Yeah, there was like a five minute spell where she was doing that. Then in the beginning, she was picking it up as a number 10 and then she was picking it up as a number eight and it kept changing. I think what they were trying to do is kind of replicating that that, that Leon game, which I think they almost did it really well for those first 45, 50 minutes where they were able to kind of move into this three and four at the back, depending when they were in and out of uh, in and out of possession and be able to, to use those wing backs, turn them into wingers and wing backs and everybody kind of moving around there. And I think <clears throat> what was good about that game, and if we compare that to now, is that you ha- that the players who are more natural in being able to switch and play those two different positions almost naturally and better were playing. Now, I think in that game, Lauren played more as a right winger and then obviously did switch into a right wing back when required, but then... In this game, she felt more of a right wing back than she was a right winger. It almost like inverse in terms of like the starting starting position. And for me, that was one issue. And I think on 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 the on the left hand side um, in this game, it was you know Neve Charles because she's very much a wide wing back, whatever side you play her on. She's very limited to staying in a wide area rather than coming on the inside and playing intricate play on the inside. And when she did try and do that, it just wasn't exactly, like we said before, wasn't exactly clicking with Gura right. And at times it did, at times it didn't. Then you got someone like Gura who can play centrally, who can play wide, but she's really good at it. But then, and I almost felt like it was this clash of players who are versatile and can and can play well in different positions and players who maybe still are versatile but are, but maybe a little bit more limited in their secondary or tertiary positions and and I felt like the system was almost trying to be the same as what it was in preseason but the players didn't fit that thing and I think like Oli and, and you said if Panela had played maybe it actually would have been a little bit more fluid because Panela knows the system she played it in, in a bit in preseason Aaron playing as a six knew what was going on you know and and maybe it would have been a little bit more fluid and maybe a couple more chances would have been would have been created but but based on what we saw it just felt like these players were kind of like okay we it just felt like they it's, it's almost like they studied for the test thinking all right we've nailed it we're going to we're going to go in we're going to smash this exam and when they got into it they went whoa 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 i didn't expect this question to come up and then they were they were throwing a curveball a little bit you know and i think it took a little bit of time to get in there and then when you throw in you know, three, four new players in the second half, Kankovic, Perise, you know, and whatnot, then then suddenly it's obviously going to be disjointed because they're not going to come into the first game and half the team has never played together and half the team has played together. And it's a little bit strange, you know, and, and you know, possibly I think, I mean, just one last thing on this. I, I like Lauren James on the right-hand side, like you said, one of the most precious players and I love her as this right inside forward. I think she should just stay there and focus on playing there and leave the right wing back role to someone like a Perry say and, and maybe drop somebody else out because Lauren is so good in what we've seen in preseason and now that if we can't maximize her as this attacking force, I I, I think we may lose out on maybe like five, ten percent of her. And that five, ten percent could be the difference in like maybe three, four, five goals over a season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you saw that during the game, you know, like 
Lauren's best moments were when she was kind of pushing towards the byline and, and fizzing balls kind of back across goal. Um, I also thought she did look good when she was kind of cutting in and playing more centrally. Um, but neither of those things really happen if you put her at right wing back. And there were large portions of the game where she just wasn't in it. Um, and I guess touching on that, Ollie, were you surprised that, that Perisade wasn't playing? You know, we've talked a lot about how... Fullbacks slash wingbacks are a problem. We've signed this really exciting, talented, accomplished fullback. Would it not have been more logical when Harder dropped out to put Lauren James where Harder was going to be and just have Perisay as your right wing back? Yeah, 100%. Um, that was actually what I was expecting to happen. Um, or even Neve playing right wing back. Um, just in terms of staying wide and and you know keeping keeping their wide defenders uh, pinned back while Lauren could work in a kind of more forward area, but as it happened, we kind of we compromised as opposed to imposing ourselves on them, um, which which was unfortunate. But I think <laughs> it, it was also problematic because when when Ev came on at the end, uh, she was kind of hitting these long balls into Beth and, and Sam because that's like just the game state at the time was kind of desperate. And um, that didn't reflect that well on her either. Um, but yeah, I would prefer a more natural wingback just to start a wingback. I think that's it's not a revolutionary idea. Um, but yeah, I think it would kind of help us going forward, definitely. Yeah, and I guess then maybe the strange element was was that we had a player who's not necessarily a natural wing-back, but showed she could definitely play as a left wing-back for the entirety of last season very effectively. And it kind of seemed at points that Gura Wrightson was either playing in a front two with Sam Kerr or playing somewhere behind Sam Kerr or just somewhere. But she obviously wasn't left wing-back. Neve Charles was obviously meant to be a left wing-back. Wing but Guru didn't look very comfortable, I don't think, Abdullah. There was a huge gap out on the left. There are points when balls come in and there's just no one in that area at all. What... We we saw Guru kind of play as as a winger and a three in preseason, and that kind of makes sense to me. But what's with this like front two or central role for her? I, you know what, personally, I think it was just a consequence of Penilla Harder being out. I think Emma Hayes had to bring Sophie Ingle in, and so the only choice that she had to make was, all right, I have to move Guru right into into a number ten role because maybe it would have distorted the balance by bringing either Lauren James into there and obviously Sam Kerr would stay up front or maybe even putting Fran Kirby into the number 10. But then, you know, who's going to play that number eight role? You could play uh, right in there, but then it limits her going out wide. And I think the idea, I think the idea was forced. So I don't think this is something that we're going to be seeing going forward into, into, into the next few, you know, the rest of the season, unless it's absolutely required like it was uh, yesterday. But at the same time, I think the thinking was, okay, if I play right as this number 10 behind James and Kerr in this 3-4-1-2, I kind of give Wrighton the freedom to go out wide when required to combine with 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 uh, Charles and I, I and she can go up front as like almost as a second striker. She can go out onto the right and kind of has the freedom to kind of play in between the lines and kind of move across. Um but I think I think I think this is just a one-off and and it, it probably didn't work as well because I think we're so used to seeing Wrighton as this really dynamic left winger, left wing back. That's I I like Wrighton going from out to in and and back, you know, and starting from from the outside and coming inside and playing around there rather than starting on the inside and going outside. It just feels very 
clunky when she's doing that from the inside. And I think that experiment, while it was enforced, I think just kind of proves that right. Writing is so good on the left that you can't, you, it's so difficult to replicate that, that I think maybe in the future it becomes a Kankovic comes into a number 10, a Frank Kirby moves, you know, moves forward into a number 10, somebody else who's a bit more of a natural plays there. And then you allow Wrighton to play in a more natural position where she's a lot more comfortable and where she's a lot more uh, dangerous and, and dynamic. A couple of quotes from, from Emma Hayes that I thought were interesting, Ollie. Um, she said, I just think we played poorly in the first half. I think sometimes we want to win things by bigger margins when we should just follow the process and keep passing the football. I thought in the second half it got a little bit stretched for us. We've still got new players coming in and they're still learning the system. There's big responsibility on them, but we just chalk it off when we go again. What do you make of this idea that we were we were kind of trying too hard? I did th- I did think things felt maybe a little forced at points, but I looked at the numbers and we basically had the highest number of passes per sequence of any team this weekend. Most sequences from open play with with ten or more passes as well. Was was this a case of just forcing it, or or was it something more? I I do see I do see where Emma's coming from. I thought there were especially the final ball at the end of those passing sequences was off a lot of the time, and I don't know if that was because we were trying to force like a perfect pass or we're kind of gilding the lily in terms of Guro, Guro trying to play in Fran springs to mind where she was kind of threw on goal, took the ball wide and then tried to play it back across goal where she could have had a, a shot herself. And then obviously the, the kind of interplay between Fran and Sam that we, we just, you know, you know, know and love was was just kind of slightly off as well in terms of the chips over the top and the, the balls around the corner and, and Sam's first touch as well. So I do I do kind of see where she's coming from. But then again, we were 1-0 up and it's kind of a strange thing psychologically when we did start fast, as you said, you know, we don't do that very often at the beginning of the season. And then we didn't kick on in a season where we were just kind of finding our finding our groove thinking that the second goal would definitely come and then we were sort of overplaying at the end in in trying to score a perfect goal but but then again <laughs> we didn't create those like massive chances constantly so there's the kind of paradox of overplaying at the end when we did have those big chances especially in transition when Liverpool lost it out from the bag but then not playing that right ball when we had the chance. So I actually think we played better in the first half. <laughs> I mean, in, in the second half, it was uh, it got a bit desperate at times and you don't kind of associate that, that with Chelsea outside of, outside of Europe because we're so kind of switched on to that. But um, yeah, I think in the first half, we, we played slightly better with better passing sequences. I felt Lauren grew into the game a lot um, specifically up to up to half time as well, and um, in the second half it felt like we played much more to Liverpool's tempo um, and allowed them back into the game a lot easier. So I guess one thing that might have changed that is the refereeing. Um, so let's let's move on to that. Uh, I I don't want to talk about it in terms of being like we've been hard done by because one I think these things work out across the season. Two we should have had enough quality to win this game regardless. But I think it's still important to talk about, about the big decisions here. Um, Abdullah, let's start with that 
Sam Kerr offside volley. Uh, I can accept that it was very close to call, but mainly it just makes me sad because it was a really good goal. So that's annoying. And it would have totally changed the game, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think in that moment, if Chelsea had had gotten that goal, I think it would have changed the complexity of the game because I think Chelsea would have kicked on after a little bit of, like like we said, it was creating chances and, and sorry, good movement without really creating too many chances. And if that had gone in, suddenly Chelsea go, okay, we can take a we can take a deep breath. We can we can play the way that we're supposed to be playing and take our time because we got a two goal cushion. And I think that would have calmed down the players rather than, you know, almost like they've got the early goal. And while it was great to get the early goal, I almost feel like in some weird way it might have been too early because it didn't allow them to settle into the system and settle into the game. And Though they had the one goal cushion, it was more like, all right, now we need to start settling in and trying to play. And in in, in that sort of getting used to it, um, Liverpool had had their moments. But yeah, I, I, th- I mean, it was so close. I don't understand how the referee could call it when it was literally like neck and neck. Like if you've seen something like that, it, it looks more onside than it looks offside. Like I understand if it's like it looks offside on the replay and it it, it is practically onside, but even if you look at it at first glance, it doesn't look like it's offside. So I don't understand how the ref could could call that that way. And, you know, it was, it was a huge moment in the game. And I think it was, what, two minutes, just two minutes before that, there was a similar offside call for Sam over the top. And, you know, find that one, again, fraction. That one also looked a fraction onside as well. So it was almost like two identical calls from the ref. And maybe that previous one because it looked so similar to the second one ref was like all right you know what i'm just going to call it offside and i felt like that played into each other being so close uh so close uh, together yeah it's definitely tough i think when you've got a player who everyone knows likes to play on kind of the last shoulder of the defender and 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 make those runs and you know equally there are points where sam made those runs better and then had an awful first touch um so you know the one where she kind of basically has to go way wide round round rachel laws um so but it does make you start to feel edgy i think when you're like wow this player's constantly within the margins of error but solely it feels like being called offside um but Ollie, the first Liverpool penalty, the Millie Bright handball, uh, what physics would you have done to move your hand out of the way of that? Not even your hand, your armpit, sorry. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so harsh. It's unbelievably harsh. It's really close as well. And, you know, Millie is clearly not going with her arm to make herself bigger. Um, She's clearly going with her foot. But the reality is that it stops a shot on goal. So... By the letter of the law, it's it's a handball, right? But we have seen <clears throat> Arsenal last season when um, there were, there were penalty calls that were potentially more blatant than that that haven't been given. Um, Leo Williamson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Arsenal last season, and um, yeah, it's just it's just really harsh. The the bigger thing for me in that incident was we know their long throw weapon, right? And it, it felt like. The more throw-ins we were giving away, the more <laughs> the more chances we were giving them to kind of load up the box and and just force a mistake like this. And it wasn't even a mistake; it was just you know the ball was bouncing around the box and they just flicked it goalwards. And again, uh, yeah, you cannot blame Millie for this at all. Um, it's more about us winning the first ball, and we we didn't win the first ball. I do I do think that um, I think it's Campbell straight onto the pitch when. She, she threw the ball, but um, <laughs> I, I've, I haven't 
um, yeah, watch that back in the slow motion to double check. But it does seem like she kind of straight on the pitch to throw that. But we do know her like throwing is a massive weapon for Liverpool and will be throughout the season. Um, but yeah, that was that was really tough to take, especially because we know that that was basically their way back in, back into the game with set pieces and especially penalties. Yeah, one of those strange moments where you start going, you know, just kick it out for a corner rather than than kick it out for throwing. But yeah, I mean, that one is just, Lee Charles has to win that first ball. She just totally misjudges the the flight and bounce the ball and Chalet goes under her and that's just poor, ultimately. Um, She should have been able to beat that away. But Abdullah, the second Liverpool penalty, this one is definitely a penalty. Uh, I don't think there's any arguments on this one. Um... I've seen kind of mixed reviews of Khadija Buchanan in this game. I think she had some good moments. I think she had some bad moments. This one was was definitely a bad moment, right? Yeah, I think you know. I think one of the commentators at the time when I was watching when I was watching is saying that oh, you know, it looked like she got the ball, and I was like, I don't think that's the case here because even her face was like she didn't even argue back because she knew she got the play. And then when you look back at the replay, like Khadija, she did Khadija. get the ball in the end. She the just end. taken out. <laughs> Both of Katie Stengel's legs to get there. Yeah, you know, just 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 that obstacle in the way to the ball, right? <laughs> I mean, no, no big deal, no nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, I think I think Kadisha had a had had a mixed game. I think she had a good few moments on the ball. Her passing, I think, was crisp and 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 you know, she had some good good moments. But I think, you know, like Emma was saying, when the second half started to get stretched, I felt like there was just more pressure on the um, on the centre backs, and I think. Kadisha tracking back you you could almost see her face in the replay just like really stretching to, to try to keep up with Stengel and then and then when she goes in for that tackle it's just like it was one of those where you get it right it's a it's it's a tackle of the season but if you don't get it right you're giving away a penalty and it just so happened to be to be that moment and I think I think she'll she'll learn from this and and she'll you know she'll come back and say I, I know what I need to do because let, let's be real like at Lyon she probably wouldn't have had as many moments of these kind of tackles and being stretched to this degree at a very consistent, at a consistent time to, you know, to start 19 minutes, like there would have been moments, but you know, I think this is maybe a little bit of a, okay, fine. I think I know what I'm getting into. And, and uh, you know, you get that one mistake. I think it was good. Okay. It's not good, but it's like, now she's got that one mistake out of her way, out of her system. It's like, all right, I can go full steam ahead and, 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 you know, continue playing. I like that positive spin because I'm going to move into a positive spin section as, as we finish off because this is far too gloomy. We are only one game in. We've twice won titles where we lost order our opening match last season and the season before. We are going to see some more strange results, I think, this year. Um, we weren't the only embarrassing result on this weekend. Um, so I want, Ollie, I'm going to start with you first. One positive that we are taking away from this game. Um, I, I would say Lauren, to be honest. Lauren, Lauren James is was, for me, clearly our best player on the pitch um, in terms of her press resistance and just the way she she made, you know, beating her, her marker so simple, so easy. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just so great to see her get back up to speed. And I can't wait to, to see the, the player she becomes because... I think if we employ that kind of press resistance and dribbling ability and creativity slightly further forward, maybe not a right wing back, then uh, we can get that extra, you know, 10% out of her, even at this early stage of her career. And then from then she can kick on and become a really like top class player. 
Yes, Emma, just because one James is very good at right wing back doesn't mean we have to play all of them there. Abdullah, have you got a positive we can take away? Um, I, th- I thought, you know, for everything that happened, I, I, st- I still felt like Charles getting that start. And, and she didn't play too badly in, in, in more moments, you know, in, in decent moments in that first half. I felt like, you know, coming to the side after not really playing much last season and really working hard in preseason, getting that start. And yes, she didn't have amazing moments, but I felt like there was semblance of a player that can come back and really do a job amongst the the big names and the new names that have come in. And I feel, I feel like this could be the redemption season for, for Neve Charles. You know, you look at someone like Anik Nawa or, or, or um, you know, you look at someone like her, for example, just take that example. How often is she going to get into that back four or five you know, as a centre-back, considering you've got the other three in terms of rotation. But I don't know, I just feel like Neve Charles showed enough glimpses through the game to be able to say, OK, there's something about you, you have a role to play at, at wing-back. Because don't forget, we've got Svitkova who can play left wing-back as well. She didn't get onto the pitch, so there's competition. But I think I think Neve has, has got something about her for the season. Yeah, she had a lovely little um, back-heeled flick at one point to Gura, I think. which And she's definitely got those moments of quality. Um, I think, again, watching this, I was just a bit like, I still don't know if she's like a fullback slash wingback. I just think she might be a good winger. But hey-ho. Um, Ollie, I'm going to take it that your player of the match was Lauren then, um, based on based on what you said. Yeah. Do you know what? We're, you know, we, we gave Kadisha mixed reviews, but until, until that 85th minute uh, moment of madness, which was, I think, to just desperation because of, communication issues between her and Magda um you know Abdullah was saying before that 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 there was far more pressure in the second half especially in transition on centre-backs um individually and I think that was down to communication that there just wasn't that partnership there and we it just won't be there for the next kind of month or so and that will grow but until that point I thought I thought Kadisha was was playing well out from the back and she was probably one of our more creative players <laughs> and that kind of sums up the the performance in general but yeah I think Lauren was kind of head and shoulders especially after the mistake um my player of the match yeah Abdullah who, who do you pick out it's I mean it's tough because I mean I know Lauren was head and shoulders out there so just for the sake of being different I won't say Lauren James but maybe I you know Magda was solid. Um, Fran Kirby had some good moments. Uh, we talked about Neve Charles. Maybe you just, you know, you you kind of, you take out those five minutes. You do kind of maybe say Kadisha to, to some extent. You know, she brought a calm. She brought composure. And you could see the quality on the ball. And in some, at least in the first half of her moments of defending in her positional sense and anticipation. I think all of that put together is just, just so much there that brings this experience to, to Chelsea at the back. And again, you take away that that moment of madness with, with that tackle at the back. I, I actually thought she had a pretty decent game. So just for the sake of being different, I'll go Kadisha Buchanan. And I will give a small shout out to Francesca Kirby because I thought she was very creative and very good at points. Not everything she did came off, but I thought she had a lot more ideas, it felt like, than everyone else. And again, if Sam Kerr's goal hadn't been um, chalked off, we would all be going crazy for that ridiculous pass uh, for it. Let's run through a couple of the results, or all of the results uh, from from the weekend then. Um, Yeah, obviously Liverpool beating Chelsea 2-1. Spurs beat Leicester 2-1. West Ham beat Everton 1-0. Aston Villa beat Manchester City 4-3 in what was a really 
hilariously good game in many ways. Um, United beat Reading 4-0 and Arsenal beat 10-player Brighton 4-0. I think I'm still going to wait and see on how good Arsenal are this season until they actually play against 11 players. Um, so that leaves the league looking basically like six teams who've got three points, six teams who've got zero. Uh, Arsenal and United are top with a goal difference of four and Brighton and Reading are bottom with a goal difference of minus four. We have Manchester City next week. They do look rubbish. Is this the perfect way to bounce back, Ollie, or is it the perfect banana skin? Uh, it, I, I think it's the perfect way to bounce back. I trust, I trust this, um, this squad to be really up for Man City. They almost always are, um, and it's it's just a kind of it's just the perfect thing to focus minds after a game that was let's be honest littered with like bad <laughs> bad mistakes right <laughs> i mean and then it's orders of magnitude higher for man city against villa um especially when just like gifting rachel daly <laughs> chances constantly which was interesting um but they have had a summer of massive upheaval right you know losing loads of players um, some like really massive players for them, some world-class players and bringing in new players like right to the end of the window when they've not really had time to settle either. So they're in a kind of similar place in terms of um, turnover to us, but we're, I think, much further along. So especially, at, at, you know, at Kings Meadow, I expect us to kick on. So I think, yeah, I think we'll win this game. Yeah, I I think it is a good game. I think to have um, because just because Man City will, will attempt to play so differently from the way Liverpool attempted so it will feel like a totally clean slate whereas I I would worry if we were going to play against West Ham who were maybe able to do something similar to what Liverpool did uh, but Abdullah what's one thing you want to see differently uh, next week at Kings Meadow? Players playing in their more natural positions that's <laughs> probably the one Amen. thing I would ask for <laughs> that's really much it I just want them to play in their natural positions and if you are going to do a lot of positional rotations at least have them similar or close to positions they can they can play as a secondary position. So that's my only ask. Yeah, and I will go with um, thoughts and prayers to Penelope Harder, and I hope she is fit enough for next week. Uh, but we will be back to to round up that game against Manchester City, uh, which now now does feel quite. I mean, it was probably always important, but it feels extra important because I don't want us to go two from two at the start of the season. But thank you to Abdullah, thank you to Ollie for joining us today. Uh, we will see you next week but until then you know what to do Chelsea fans keep the blue flag flying high